Welcome to the Weekly Deep Dive Podcast on the Add-On Education Network, the podcast where we explore the weekly Come Follow Me discussion and try to add a little insight and unique perspective. I am your host, Nate the Great Piper, here in studio with my good friend and this show's producer, Jason Lloyd. Eh. What's up, Dak? Uh, now, Bugs Bunny? <laughs> Dropping little bugs. How's it going, Nate? Dude, do we need to film Bugs Bunny? <laughs> Dude, you had such a moment and that's what you hit me with? I know. It's sad. It's sad. Man, I thought for sure we were going back to the oh what up like the the old uh, <laughs> the bu- Budweiser the commercials Budweiser or something. Come on, man, it's Bugs Bunny. It, yeah, it wasn't the frogs. What was it? You're, it, it that, that no, was, it was just a bunch of people sitting around, was, and then they uh, had the one where it was like the uh, it was like all the superheroes from like the cartoon superheroes doing it. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. I, you know, I guess it was better than going with the uh, the what's up with that Saturday Night Live. Uh. Oh yeah, that's true. No, that's I mean you could have hit me with that too. All right, whatever, Bugs Bunny. So anybody that has listened to this podcast before is probably wondering why uh, why we have flip-flopped our roles so far in this show and why why I'm talking a lot already and why Jason, our usual host, hasn't said anything. <laughs> well, it's because we're doing it a little different this time. We're recording this uh, podcast actually a week early because I'm going to be going out of town and I didn't want to uh, straddle Jason with having to do it all again by himself like he did when I was trying to die from COVID. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. And so uh, I did, I offered my services. I said, hey, let me uh, let me help at least, let me help at least prepare pre- or, or help you out here so that you don't have to do all the preparation by yourself. And so uh, here we are. Luckily, Jason, though, you're still going to help me out, right? Yeah, no, definitely. We got this. All right, all right. Well, I am going to be talking about um, Doctrine and Covenants. Section 60 through 62. Is that right? Yes, sir. I prepared a few notes. How there, about that, there, Jason? There, there we go. The first thing I'm going to want to talk about here is is uh, something that I actually really love to talk about. Let me just uh, let me dive into this and see if you know what I mean. So begatting? The, is it the begatting? No, that's <laughs> what I love the most of everything. But uh, this is what I love pretty close, pretty close to that. So... So Joseph Smith had sent some um, some of the saints to Jackson County, Missouri, to kind of get things um, prepped and going or whatever. But he said that along the way, he needed them to open their mouths and share the gospel. Right? Yes, sir. Am I am I wrong in any of that? No, sir. So they went. Some people, some of the some of the uh, the. Uh, Let's just call them missionaries for for the sake of discussion. Along the way, did their job, opened their mouths. God was stoked. Some of the dudes did not do as good of a job and did not open their mouths, and the Lord was not pleased. Let me see if I can read exactly the scripture because there's some language in here that uh, let's see, let me see if I can find my notes here. He does have a way of speaking. The Lord's the Lord's language is always impressive. It's always impressive. Here we go. Uh, let me see if I can find it. You're better at this. But with some I am not well pleased. Okay, this is Doctrine and Covenant, section 62, verse 2. But with some I am not well pleased, for they will not open their mouths, but they will hide the talent which I have given them. What, Jason? <laughs> it's the talent. The talents? <laughs> it's the talent. It's the talent because again. of the fear of man. Woe goes. unto such. Let's go. 
Nate's been waiting for this day for a while. I've been waiting for this day for my whole life. Now, I know that some of you out there right now that have maybe listened to some of the past podcasts are saying, "Uh uh-oh, Nate, is this going to go against what you've been telling us this whole time, that a talent has something to do with money and it doesn't have to do with you know, singing in primary so that you're, uh, so that you don't lose your singing voice and go to hell or get kicked out of the choir. And I'm, I'm, I'm here to say not so fast, my friends. Not so fast. What I've done is, uh, I've decided just to go straight to the Old Testament. I like that. We're going to, uh, we're gonna, we're gonna talk a little bit about the actual parable of the talents. That's going to be New Testament, right? A New Testament. I'm sorry, no, dude. Old Testament. I just got you so stoked. You, you got me up. Or not? You got me excited. I know I got you excited. I'm sorry. The New Testament. The New Testament. <laughs> so we're going to talk about this a little bit um, in in the parable of the talents. We we. I just want to dig into this a little bit more. You have the the master that gives three of his servants responsibilities. Let's just not even call it talents for a minute, right? Let's just call it responsibilities. Okay. Things of worth. Now. Something that I'd like to point out in this is that there has to be something that the servants have done before this situation to earn this responsibility. Am I right? You would think so. I mean, they're they're called servants for a reason, right? They've probably been serving him for a while. And in this case, you're not just going to give money to just anybody. Right? Anybody that just happens to be working, it's if somebody's out taking care of your sheep, you're not going to give them, hey, while I'm gone for this long period of time, you do a great job of taking care of my sheep, but here's also a large sum of money that I want you to go and do something with and to be responsible for. I look at this and I go, okay, clearly the people involved in this story would have at least some understanding of what their responsibility would be with the task that they're given. And, and on the flip side, I would even say, the servants have some understanding of the master and the expectation right of what their job is uh-huh yeah i think i i completely agree so one is clearly responsible enough to have five pieces of money talents resp- he he has a large responsibility one who still knows what he's doing is given a, a lesser responsibility and to one is given the least amount of responsibility, but still a responsibility, and we can still at least try to draw the conclusion that he knows that he's supposed to be doing something with this money, right? Yes. So then, let me just read. I'm in Matthew 25 right now, and into one, um, and to one, unto one he gave five talents, unto one two, and to another one, every man according to his, um, to his several ability, and straightway took his journey. He that received five talents went and traded with the same, and made them another five. Likewise, he who had received two also gained the other two. But he who had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. Okay. The wording of this is this is kind of important, and this is how I'm going to eventually get all get back into what we've been talking about with the other thing and help everybody realize that this isn't about singing in primary. <laughs> and after a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh, and he reckoned with them. And so he that had delivered five talents came and brought another five talents, saying, Lord, thou hast delivered unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over few things. I will make thee a ruler over many things. Thou uh, Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. And he that had also received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest me two talents. Behold, I have gained another two besides them. And the Lord said unto him, the same thing, well done, my good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee a ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. So first, I just want to make note, those two were given very different responsibilities, but received the same reward in the end. Yes. 
Okay. He that receiveth the one talent came and said, and this is very important, Lord, I knew thee that thou art a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where where thou hast not strawed. Here's some of the wording. And I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent in the earth. Lo, there hast... Um, there thou hast that is thine. It's interesting the projection that just happened right there, right? Mm-hmm. Listen to what he just said to the master or to the Lord. I I was uh, you. I knew you were a hard man, reaping where thou hast not sown and gathering where thou hast not strawed. Um, look in the mirror, dog. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> isn't it so funny that that his excuse to try to get out of this was to was an immediately. Oh, it's not anything I did. It's 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 you. It's you that made me not want to go and work and and do and and use this thing because because oh I didn't I didn't think that it was cool that you would get something from my work. It's very interesting. That and interesting. then he says, and I was afraid, and I went and hid thy talent. What was he afraid of? And well, he says. I mean, I'm genuinely asking because I think I think that this comes back to what we're talking about in Doctrine and Covenants. I, 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 if you're asking me, I think, I mean, first to your point when he says, "I knew thee," like you said, these are people that have a relationship Completely with each agree. other. And and when he says that thou art a hard man, I think he's I think he's saying here that he's afraid of failure, that he's afraid of disappointing him, or he's afraid of of losing the money. I love it. I think that that could be part of it. I also think that part of it is, um, I think that he he knows now the situation that he's in. I agree with you. I think he may have been afraid of doing something with it before, but now I think he's afraid of the consequences. And I think both. I think both would actually be scary. His Lord answered and said unto him, "Thou wicked and slothful servant, thou knewest, thou knewest, like you said." That I reap where I sowed not, and gathered where I have not strawed. Thou oughtest therefore have put my money to the exchangers, and then at my coming I should have received mine own with usury. Here's what's so funny about this: is that he even just said, "Had you still just been a terrible person, and done a terrible job, like actually doing something with the responsibility I gave you, you literally just had to go and just put it." In a an, in a savings account, basically, at least go let it be put to use in the community and let it earn the most minimal amount of interest. But instead, you went and you hid it in the earth, where it just could literally do nothing. It now is it. You're now just bringing it back to me dirty, like not not even to be used for something and, and potentially for good for somebody else, but just dirty. It's interesting. I, and I, again, like I, I try to, I try to, let's, I want to take this away from money for one second. I know this is going to shock everybody for a minute, but, but think about this. Think about this in three, maybe it's three different things. So the first thing I want to look at this is the, the obvious one, which is stewardship or responsibility. And, and this is where I kind of want to throw it to you. Like from that standpoint, how could these things relate to you and I, like just kind of boots to the ground, like day to day type of a thing? Like, what responsibilities would, you, if you hear this thing, if you hear this parable, how would you relate this to you as far as like a day to day responsibility? Well, I'm I'm still thinking about this. The 
the idea that he communicates to his master saying, I knew that you reaped where you didn't sow. In other words, he's saying, I knew you wanted me to return more than what you gave me. Like the, it was clear. And then the master returning and saying, yes, absolutely. You knew I wanted more than what I gave you. I, I mean, there, there's no... Yeah, I didn't lie to you. There was no misunderstanding. There was no misunderstanding. I, you, said, you said it yourself. You knew what I was after. And yes, that's exactly what I was after. Why didn't you do it? He didn't give him that money just so he could give it back. Completely and, agree. And, and so when you say, how do we apply this to ourselves? I, I, I look at it and sometimes we interpret what the Lord says and we know what he wants us to do, but maybe we write a way around it saying, I knew you were after this, but that's hard. And so I decided to do it my way differently. Well, it's to your point, and I think that you're nailing this, and you're actually you're right there at the point that I'm was was hoping you'd make too. Is that like you said, we we knew what our we know what our responsibilities are, and I do think that sometimes it's easy to to try to make ourselves feel better by projecting our own not laziness, but our own disinterest in the, in some of those things, right? Things things such as, like, I mean, I guess it's, for, for most of us, it's probably easy to do the obvious ones. Like, we need to have a place for our family to live, right? Mm-hmm. We're responsible to take care of children. We're responsible to to provide in, in, in one way or another for the family. We're, uh, we, have, we have responsibilities at work. Maybe some of us have some money. There's responsibility that comes with that, um, uh, whatever that may be, right? But then I look at this too, and then I just go, there, there are, there are things that that I know that I struggle with, and that is, okay, but I also have like a church calling that sometimes I may like grumble about, like oh, I don't even know if I'm really doing anything, like, like I, I wish I knew what to do with this, right? But it's really easy for me to go. Oh, I'm just in the wrong. I'm just in the wrong calling. Like I, I need to be. I need to be somewhere where where my strengths my are being. Are. My ta- my talents are being used. <laughs> to take it back to and, the primary uh, application. I know. There you go. I need to be somewhere where where I'm being utilized the correct way, right? And it's and then that's then now being used as an excuse to not do something or to not. You know what I mean? To not actually like maximize the thing that I'm I'm doing, right? And again, like or, or, or say like our ministering assignments. Here's an, here's things as simple as like uh, if you are getting a prompting on your way home to go visit somebody or maybe call somebody that you haven't talked to in a while. You know what I mean? There's there so many other things that I feel like would technically qualify as things that would be things within our stewardship that we've been given or responsibilities that we've been given and human nature and, – and we just read it again. Human nature is to go, well, I was afraid and I was able to say, well – I mean, you could, in theory, do all of that stuff, right? God, in theory, you could, I mean, if somebody needs something, you can bless them if, if, in, or, or somebody that's already responsible for that. Why aren't they taking care of it? Why am Why am I being, I don't have time anyways. The whole plan can't lynch on me. It's, it's going to exactly go on. That's exactly right. <laughs> so there's the first the first that way that I want to look at it. And then I want to read Doctrine and Covenants again about our about our friends that, um, that did not open their mouths and and kind of apply this to that part of the responsibility. But with some I am not well pleased, for they will not open their mouths. 
but they will uh, but they hide the talent which I have given them because of the fear of man. Woe unto such, uh, for my anger is kindled against them. Okay, so in this case, I guess I I just want to ask then. Well, then what is that talent which he has given them? Because it doesn't sound like it's a talent of public speaking. You know what I mean? It doesn't right, sound right, right. like it's a talent of like, wow, you're really good at speaking. No, 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 no. That's not what he's saying. The responsibility. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. It's That's my point. Here. Yeah. That's exactly my point. Is that you? Is that I don't read this and say they hid the talent which I've given them. It's like clearly, clearly these people aren't the most thrilled to be speaking because of the fear of man. They're 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 shirking. They're they're using fear to to bury their responsibility. Now, um, this also has some wording in it that also relates to some other scriptures that I want to bring bring out too, or kind of talk about too, because I think it, it actually is very applicable in this. When he says, for they will not open their mouths, but they will hide the talent which I have given them. Um, off the top of your head, do you know where I'm going with this? Where they hide the talent that I'm giving them. Where they hide the responsibility? I'm not sure. Okay, I'm going to jump into Third Nephi chapter 12 real quick. Okay, because because a lot of the same words are being used here, and and I love I love the surrounding context with this, and I feel like again this gives us a perfect this illustrates perfectly the lesson that we need to be learning from this. Right? Behold, do men light a candle to put it under a bushel? Nay, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light to all the house. There's something there's something that I feel like is just dead on the nose here, right? These men are being sent across um, or on a journey to go to a county to kind of help set up shop for the saints. They're told to preach the gospel along the way. They're told very specifically, open your mouth. And what do they do? They hide their responsibility, right? Yes. What is the specific responsibility that talent that they are hiding? Just to, to, to preach the gospel. To testify to of Jesus to... Christ. That's exactly right. To testify of to Jesus Christ. To be a light Christ. on the hill. That's exactly right. To be a light on the hill, right? And and again, like a lot of the surrounding context of this, I love I love that in the um, it says, let your light so shine before people that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. I love that even in that scripture, we're told how to let our light shine. Good works, right? And then, and then specifically, we know what that light is because Jesus Himself says, "I am the light. Um, I, I, I need to be what you need to be testifying about. I need to be, I need to be that thing that you're putting on the candlestick and not hiding your testimony of me." Right? This comes full circle. If you're, if you're in a new church, being sent across, not necessarily the most friendly of places. There would be a fear of man that I feel like would kind of be baked into that. Absolutely, especially talking about some boy seeing visions and golden plate, golden Bible. I mean, it's all brand new, and you just fell sucker to this. I mean, there's there's a lot of social pressure in a situation like that. Okay, so now here's where I'm bringing this back to last week because you asked a very important question, and this is this is where I kind of want This is where I kind of want to like wrap this all up. Is it easier to live for God or die for God? And, and you noticed last week I had a really quick answer. <laughs> yes, yes. This is why. This is why. Because, because what we've seen within this, within this one scripture is truly kind of the, the, maybe the hardest thing that we're, we're 
expected and responsible to do because with great knowledge comes great responsibility with 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 um um with power comes responsibility with a testimony comes responsibility right yes all of these things and it's funny because we've talked about this in the past when we say when we when we bear a testimony you've you've done a great job of kind of exploring the the um, kind of the way that the words translate specifically and about the idea of being naked or being exposed or, or that, 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 that it leaves you vulnerable, right? Mm-hmm. I look at it like a weight sometimes that you have to bear, like a heaviness. A beca- cargo or a Because there's responsibility that comes with that, right? Because Jesus Christ told his disciples, his servants, the ones that he's giving this responsibility to, and and in this in this parable, and I believe this is right. He was talking to his disciples when he was giving this parable. I may be wrong about this, um, but but I think it would still apply either way. That that he's talking specifically to those who know their master, like you said. He's talking specifically to those that have received some sort of confirmation that they're working for the right person, that they're representing the right person. With that, with that comes the responsibility of, then you know what I expect you to do. And, and, and I'd even add to that, not just people that know them, but people that warrant an, an elevation from what they were doing. No longer just being simple servants, but now being put over a certain responsibility or given additional responsibility to, to where they have. Completely agree. Completely agree. Thank you. Um, with that, I do want to add to um, that that one of the things that are responsible we're responsible for, like we we talk about a lot and you emphasize a lot, is our knowledge and and gaining more knowledge and and gaining gaining things that add to our testimony. And it's interesting because as we gain those things, I feel like that's a very um, boots to the ground way of adding to those talents that we've been given. Because that would be my last question is with with that weight that we have with that responsibility with the value by the way with that gift that we're given right with that with that valuable thing that we're given responsibility over what are some of the ways that we can applicably read this and go oh this is how i this is how i increase those responsibilities that i've been given and for me and and I'll throw this to you but I wanted to take the easy one first cuz I knew you would take this one but to me, one of those is take the testimony you have and learn more about it and ask more questions. And, and like we've talked about, seek out the mysteries, right? Seek, seek the mysteries of God and try to find those things, which, by the way, he invites us to figure out, right? Over and over. Over again. and over, ask, knock as a commandment and not, and not a, well, if you do this, I guess I'll do this too, but as a commandment, right? Seek me and you shall find me. What are some, am I missing, am I missing some obvious ones? What are some ways, I'm going to throw this to you, Jason. What are some ways just as, as we're kind of talking about this, that it would make sense to go, oh yeah, that's, that's applicable in adding or increasing the responsibility that you've been given. Well, you've, you've covered knowledge really well. And I think absolutely we have that responsibility to, to, a man cannot be saved in ignorance. Joseph Smith says it. He says, you were saved as fast as you gained knowledge, and that through knowledge is how God gained his power, and he subjects everything under his feet because of what he knows. But as I was thinking about how this applies, uh, my, my mind almost went to a different situation where 
what responsibility do we have when we take upon us the name of Christ? And when we're sitting in a setting with our friends and, and all of our friends decide to go watch a movie that's inappropriate, as followers of Christ, do we have a responsibility to open our mouth and say, this is something that I'm not going to do? And you look at that return on investment, right, from that talent, that ROI. If you have the courage to tell your friends, this is something that I'm not going to do, what other people in that group are now going to have the courage because of what you said to stand with you? Or what kind of impact are you going to have on them to where that responsibility grows to where somebody else is now accepting that responsibility and you're returning to the Lord even more invested people or even more fruit for, for what he asked you to do. When, when I look at, you know, a soccer team, for example, that if you go to the next level, it requires you playing on Sunday. And, and that's a very personal decision for people to make. And I can't tell you what the right decision is or what the wrong decision is, but I can tell you that I have seen firsthand when a goalie stands up and says, I am not going to play on Sunday And then the whole team rallies behind him and says, if he is going to stay at this level, we are going to stay at this level too. That makes me wonder, is he taking his responsibility of being that light on a hill serious? And is he returning now all of these other people that are following in his footsteps, Mm. that are growing that light, that now the Lord is giving them talents, giving them responsibility because they are awakened to the responsibility that they have and that that investment grows. I love that. I think that's that's way better than how I said it. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I I wanted to... uh, so I, as I was, as you were saying that, and I was thinking about this, I was thinking, okay, we can't just beat these dudes up, though, right? Like there actually has to be, there has to be a, there has to be. I feel like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Resolution. There has to be, um, um, I don't, uh, redemption. Redemption is the word I'm looking for, right? Every story loves a redemption. And and this is and this is this is for me how how I am. Here's here's the redemptive part of this, right? Is that in this in this story, God doesn't say, "Okay, I'm mad at you," and like He does to the to the to the slothful servant in the parable of the talents, cast him to in His words, outer darkness. Which is that's a little heavy handed, but okay, whatever. Um, <laughs> luckily, in this story, you use extremes in stories. Yeah, though. They, they illustrate exa- I points. guess yeah, it, it fully illustrated that point. I guess what I love is that in this story, um, Jesus says fix it, right? He basically says, "Hey, look, I'm not I'm not stoked. Clearly we can assume that there were opportunities if the Lord's mad that they didn't open their mouths. Clearly maybe even I provided you opportunities to open your mouth and you didn't. And if you continue to do this, we're going to have problems. If you continue to do this, woe unto you, right? Uh-huh. With the idea that like but you can be better. And then what I love is that is that a little bit later in the verse he he goes back to um, an image that we've kind of talked a little bit about before, where he says, he says that that rely on me basically. Open your mouth, and I'll put the words in your mouth. Open your mouth, rely on me. And he uses he uses the the phrase, "All flesh is in my hands." Right? I kind of I kind of uh, that that was one of the things that jumped out at me a little bit. So again, like I, this is where again I'm, I'll probably rely on you. 
to 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 stop me if I'm missing the mark a little bit on this because again I know I know that this is a little bit more in your territory but um I I looked at that kind of through three different lenses right the most obvious one I think is kind of what we've talked about in the past and that the idea that there's there's power in the arm of the Lord or there's power in the hand of the Lord right yes it's um it's the way that we pass God's power from one person to another is through the hand, right? Mm-hmm. Um, with the hand, the hand that can smite, the hand that can lift up. You know, I mean, there's there, the 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 hand, the arm um, is used is used so often, especially through um, the scriptures, as a is as, as a power move, right? Yes, might power. Yes. Okay. I think that's I think that's the I, I think we can apply that obviously already to this story easily, right? Um, you you have. You have these people that are coming across that that because of the fear of man are shirking their responsibilities of specifically testifying of Jesus Christ. I think is kind of where we ended up with that, right? If we looked at that. Open your mouth because God has the power to easily put words in your mouth, especially if we've done what he's commanded to us and first learned the word or sought the word. Once we once we put in our work trying to learn it, open our mouths and we'll know what to say in those situations, right? God has the power in his hand to deliver us if people are going to, if people don't like what you say and are going to try to, I, I'm assuming that's why you'd be afraid to talk to these hostile people across us because you're probably worried about getting beat up, killed, tarred and feathered, right? Yes. But But God is saying, first of all, all flesh is in my hand. I have power to control that situation literally, right? So that's comforting, right? The second, I feel like, is is also probably, probably if you think about it for two seconds, when he says, all flesh is in my hand, what else is in his hand literally physically? The wounds from a cross, the wounds oh. from nails, Right? So then I think of it when he says, all flesh is in my hands, and think of it on that spiritual level, when he goes, that, then that makes me think, open your mouth and don't be afraid, because what if they do kill you? I have the power to save you. I have saved you. I have atoned. If you're doing what I have asked you to do, I have paid that price. Literally all of humankind is engraven in my hand. And, and because of those marks, because of the atonement, that's why all flesh is in his hands to begin with. That's exactly right, right? And so then I look at that and I apply that to that situation and to our situations, like you said, on a daily basis, where we do have hopefully opportunities provided to us to be a good example, to open our mouths, to let that light shine, right? Because one, God has control, God has power, and he's told us that. Two, we, we, he has engraven us in his hands— he has paid for our sins. We we have the opportunity to, even if we blow it, like these dudes did in the story, to repent and to have the chance to go and to make that right. Um, and then the last thing, and again, this this might be too much of a stretch, but the last thing it actually reminded me of a talk by Elder Uchtdorf where he talked about uh, the statue that got tore up in the storm where the hands got broken off. Do you remember this talk? I'm not sure if I do. It's a great talk, but 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 they when the when the village talked about rebuilding the statue— they were like, well, the hands are too damaged that we can't just put them back on. So what do we do? Do we rebuild them? And everybody in the village said, no, leave the hands off because we want to be the hands of God, right? And then I, and then, and then I started thinking about the, the idea or the symbolism of that talk of, of God has power in his hands. 
God with the with the prince in his hands has has saved us from both spiritual death and physical death and now God is providing the opportunity for all flesh to be, be his, his hands, hands right I love it and and the idea that we can that we can be the ones ministering administering and and if we want to go back to uh, 3 Nephi chapter 12 he he calls us to be the salt of the earth because wherefore, if the salt loses its savor, then or, or, if, or if, the, if the earth loses its salt, then it loses its savor, right? Mm-hmm. But then if you just take a look at that word savor, it's we. I know we immediately think, oh yeah, salt makes things taste good, which I do think, by the way, that uh, this is kind of the double meaning that we talk about with all these things. But then when you just look at the word itself, to save, a savor, something that saves somebody else, as a right? preservative, as a preservative, right? Uh, uh, as as the salt of the earth, and quite literally, the saviors of men, right? God has given all flesh, all man, the opportunity to be like him in his mission, in his calling. He, he, he continually tells us to be one with him, and what a better way to do that than to open your mouth, than to, do, than to not be afraid of man because we are already engraven in the hands of, of Jesus, right? We don't, there's nothing that we need to fear that man might do to us, right? Right. And, and, this, and this, this simple verse, I feel like so beautifully, visually encapsulates kind of all all of those things along the way with the charge to go out and and be his hands and to serve and to and to and to truly magnify the responsibilities talents the the the, the most valuable things and, and even later he talks about valuable things he he says until he comes and gathers his jewels right or his gems until he comes and gathers his gems, and then you know a little bit of digging. It's like, oh yeah, the the gems that'll fit into the crown of the king, right? Like he he wants us to be elevated with him. We're we're those precious things, right? Yes. We're those valuable things, by the way. That that maybe somebody else's responsibility. Like we're the value. We're the talents potentially, right? That 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 are being exalted by 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 magnifying our efforts, what it is that we can do. So anyways, that's where I'm at on that. Wow. That's, uh, wow. That's amazing. Hopefully I didn't let you down, Jason. Oh, I actually prepared oh, this no, time. No, 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 no. <laughs> I don't know point, anything about some, I don't know anything about where a lot of these <laughs> words actually get their meaning from, but. At this point, I think, I think I stand with most of our listeners here on this, that why, why are you not doing this show? Why? Oh, Cause why, I'm why? the knucklehead, man. Trust me. <laughs> Oh no! I'm no, the knucklehead. This it took me. It took me all afternoon with like crying kids to even get this much written down. <laughs> Amazing! I I love the insight. I love where you went with that. That it's just that's powerful. It's good. Well, thank you. What do you got to add to this? I know I missed out on a lot. I kind of got hung up on literally those two. <laughs> I got hung up 35, 30 minutes later. I I don't know if there's anything I can add. All right, because it's such a. It's such a powerful message and, and and really a great focus. I mean, you talk about in, in the book of Revelation when it talks about the harvest, and and I know we've we've hashed harvesting over and over again. Because no, it this shows is good up. to bring it up again, though. We've we've given it a break for a minute. <laughs> it shows up so often in Doctrine and Covenants, but in in the book of Revelation, it says that you will be my hands to harvest. You are the ones that are going to be doing this, and I I think it just fits with what you're talking about. This idea that. He is asking us to do this for him, not not because he's lazy, 
But as you said, he's trying to exalt us. And how can we come follow him? And and by, by saying come follow him, this idea that we're following him all the way up to the right side of, of the right hand of God, to the throne. How can we follow him if he's not giving us the opportunity to do what he did? And, and you said something, too, that I kind of just want to highlight. I don't think I did probably a good enough job of highlighting, but when, when I asked what are some of those talents that we've been given or those responsibilities that we've been given, I think you just nailed the most important one, which is the saving is the harvest, right? The saving of another soul, which is why the Lord was so upset that they didn't magnify that talent that he had given them or that charge that he had given them quite literally and specifically to let their light shine, to testify to people for what purpose? To save a soul of another person, right? Which mm-hmm. we're told is is the greatest thing that we can do is to save a soul, right? And and like you said, and I'm glad you brought this back up again because that's kind of actually how I would really like to 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 really kind of cap that off is is that we know we know what our responsibilities are, and yes, it's our family, it's our it's our jobs, it's 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 the it's the wealth that we have or the wealth that we don't have, it's the knowledge that we have, but most importantly, it's the charge to open our mouths because you never know the soul that you might save by doing so and to not be afraid of man because because the, the what you're working for is more important than being afraid of something that man could do yeah and and to have god become a sinner if you will not that he sinned but but that he was treated as a sinner right he 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 was perfect, but he descended below everything, and, and, and he became the least of anyone. Born in a manger, scourged, unclean, treated by, by Gentiles, and, and did so so that the sinner could become the God. I, I, that, that idea, and how does the sinner become the God if, if we're not in, involved in, in following him and, 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 and exalting and we we are the sinner and and he put ourselves in our shoes so that we could put ourselves in his shoes and we put ourselves in his shoes because as a sinner and and feeling that joy that redemptive joy to be able to extend that to somebody else and share that joy all of a sudden we become the savior we become like the savior and we're able to bring them back and and you and you said earlier that every story needs a good redemptive story and maybe I could put just a little spin on this with Please. with uh, Corianton, right? You, you've you've got the two, you got three brothers, Helaman, Shiblon, and and Corianton in in the Book of Alma. And Helaman stays home from the mission, and Shiblon does really good in the mission, but but Corianton goes to to a prostitute, right? Instead, and and actually, not only is he not opening his mouth, but because of the actions of what he did, he was leading others astray. And and this is something. Maybe it's just a coincidence. Maybe maybe it doesn't have any bearing in any of this. But in the Book of Mormon, you you have this introduction of Greek names. Laconius uh, means somebody from Laconia, a Spartan. Uh, you you've got Timothy showing up. You you have all of these Greek names starting to show up in the later end of the Book of Mormon, which I find fascinating. It, it's kind of weird if you're if you're writing a history. Why would you do something if, I don't know, it's just kind of interesting. But we also know that in Hebrew stories, names have a very significant 
place in things. We've talked about this before, the, 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 the example of, what is it, Ruth marrying weakly and sickly, and then later she turns to marrying strength, right? Boaz. Well, do you know the name of the place where, where Corianton turned aside from his role, instead of shining a light, was actually misleading people, was Siren. And you, th- you think of Odysseus and the Greek sirens and, and this idea that they would sing and, and appeal to the pleasure of man and lead them astray. I don't know, it's kind of interesting, but but he he is the missionary that that's not letting his light shine. In fact, he's, she's shining a very different light that's taking people down a different channel. And it would be a sad story indeed if that's where it ended, but his father, being a loving father, takes him aside and finds out what some of those doubts are, what some of those underlying issues are to help correct that course and get his light shining. And we find out later on in the Book of Mormon that, that he ends up being a very righteous person, that, that there is change indeed, that the Lord might come down and say, hey, I need to call you on this, but that's not the end of the story. It's, it's not outer darkness as it was in the parable. It's this idea that Christ redeemed us, and that is the most powerful message. And you bet this guy, having gone through this experience and understanding it firsthand, is probably the best testimony that anyone else could see. His light, that, that first tasting it himself, tasting that redemptive fruit to know that you were lost and now you're saved, what better way to shine your light than to having gone through that yourself? It's true. It's true. And again, it's it's funny because I know we kind of talked about this a little bit too, is that when we talked about the uh, the wine, the filtered wine over the... Um, the lees. The lees. And, and you kind of said like, look, there's some imperfections in there, but like that kind of adds what it is to this. It's funny because like I look at that and I say... I, I look at sometimes those experiences or those imperfections or whatever, and I look at it like the salt and the savor, right? Like the and the actual taste of things, right? And it's interesting because sometimes, sometimes those things where we're struggling are good for us in the long run because, like, we learn that you know we can take those things and make them become strong. But like you said, like there's there's so many times that from like an experience standpoint. You can relate to somebody that might not that you would might not otherwise be able to relate to, other than you have dealt with similar things or you've gone through similar experience and 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 so I look at that like the lees or like the salt and and the savor not as a preserver but as something to add goodness you know what I mean something to add a flavor to life and it's like yeah there's 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 eternity to become perfected right <laughs> like yeah. in this life like in this life let's just gain knowledge let's learn let's try to let's try to be let's try to continually be moving in the right direction but I know for me sometimes I look at that and I just go like yeah of course he was able to have a he was able to to have a stronger deeper conviction of 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 redemption and the atonement because he quite literally needed to rely on that, you know, to be saved because of his mistakes and things like that. So, And, and Christ said it himself when he said, it's not the 99 that know where they're at. It's the one that's lost that he came for. And it's not the healthy that need the doctor. It's the one that's sick, right? And, yeah. and the trick is, we are sick. Yes. We are lost. It's whether or not we recognize that we're lost, and not to not to excuse or dismiss the behavior and say it's it's okay, but but being aware of that and working to change that is what drives that love and that relationship and puts us in a position that we can follow him and that we are able to to really have that savor. Cool, man. 
Um, anything else you want to add to this? <laughs> you know, I had some stuff in the in '62 that talked a little bit, uh, or '61, it's talking about the water and the Let's earth. Let's do it. But I, 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 I hate tainting a, a, a lesson like this. Maybe we should just push it into the next one and and keep this one whole intact. And all right, whatever. I mean, <laughs> there's plenty of time left. You're making me feel good that that I that I actually spent some time preparing, dude. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad it was. Uh, I'm glad you're stoked. It, it it to me this was amazing. It, it I, I I'd hate to take anything away from what what you've already. Well, let's roll it into the next one. Let's do let's it. Let's roll it into the next one, especially because a uh, little uh, little uh, production secret, a little production magic. <laughs> we're about ready to record the next one right now because I'm going to be gone the week after that too. But we're going to totally talk about it like it's next week. So next week, a little production, a little production, a little production <laughs> trick. So to, to, to whet your appetite. <laughs> and what are we talking about next week, Jason? In five minutes, after we go to the bathroom and get a drink of water. In our next episode, which you'll be listening to in a week after this, we're we're gonna we're gonna take a look at Doctrine and Covenants section sixty one, uh, just the tail end of this this come follow me lesson right now, and we're gonna build it into Doctrine and Covenants sixty three. And in 63, at the very beginning, we're talking about the signs, asking for signs. When is it appropriate to ask for signs and the Lord's displeasure or pleasure with signs? Um, but then we're also going to hit a little bit talking about the importance of, well, water, the role it plays symbolically. When, when God says that he's blessed the earth at the beginning and he's cursed the waters at the end, what in the world is he talking about? So we'll roll those together in this next episode that we're about to record in about five minutes. A little production magic, a little behind the curtain. <laughs> Wizard of Oz. So, Anyways, all right. Well, until next week. See ya. See ya.